Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Well, praise the Lord. I want to talk about pursuing a word from God with unstoppable momentum. Unstoppable momentum. What does that depend upon? How do you do that? Well, the word momentum means, and I quote, this is what it means, force or speed of movement. It is a consistent and increasing moving forward. Friends, listen to me. When God speaks to us, His intention is that we seize the word that He has given to us and with great resolve pursue it with relentless and unstoppable momentum. Uh, The people that think, well, if God gave me the word, God can bring it to pass. I'm just going to wait till God does it. Well, that's nice, but you're going to be waiting an awful long time. Because it doesn't work that way. Luke 9, 62. You alive and well? Well, the rest of you? Glory. Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow, to the task, to the commission, to the promise, to the vision, to the word given by God. Nobody putting their hand to it and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God, the word basilea, the authority, the dominion of God, the the supernatural of God. And so what I want to say to you is this, in the age of instant coffee and internet communications and instant this and that, we have a generation that I believe are in danger of not knowing how to persevere. How to push through, how to pursue something, how to grit the teeth, hang on and push through until you hit the mark. And friends, in this age of entitlement, it tells our youth and our young adults and the rest of us that paying the price personally is just simply not necessary. Somebody else should pay the price. Uh, The employer can pay the price, the parents can pay the price, the government can pay the price, but I shouldn't have to pay a price. I'm living in the age of privilege and entitlement. But I'll tell you something, my friends, the kingdom of God doesn't operate that way. There's no such thing as second-hand salvation, and there's no such thing as second-hand faith or second-hand inheritance. And the Bible is incredibly clear that it is only the diligent, not the gifted, not the right ones connected. Hey, the diligent shall be blessed with spiritual possession. So number one, we have to be men and women of vision. We have to be men and women that are gripped and compelled by the word that God has given to us to pursue uh, and the destiny that he has promised us. We have to be men and women of vision that we hear from God. But secondly, we have to be those that at once having taken up that challenge are ready to pursue it with deep resolve. You have got to be, have a willingness to pursue the word God's given you with unstoppable momentum. 
So how does one gain unstoppable momentum? What is momentum? Friends, when a a man took hold of a plow, Jesus was referring to it in Luke there, when a man took hold of a plow and and the the horses or the oxen were in front of him, that the hardest part, the hardest part was just to get it moving, you know, and, and just start the plow moving forward. But once it got into, the old horse got into a rhythm, you know, got over that initial bit, and then from rhythm you get into momentum and it continues to go. A bit like getting on a bike, particularly on a slight hill. You know, the first few meters, man, get this thing going. But once you've got it going, what have you got? Momentum. Providing you keep going. But if you stop and start, start and stop, stop and start, start and stop, man, that's exhausting. That's exhausting. But I've seen people do that again and again and again and again with the word that God has given them. I'll pursue for a little while, I'll take a holiday for a little while. I'll pursue for a little while, I'll do something else for a little while. I'll do something else for a little while, I'll pursue for a while. Friends, that, that, that's exhausting. And it never brings the word to pass. Quiet in here. Then I read two verses that I have never preached this word or this kind of a word ever before from these two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a Guarantee. And when I read those two verses, uh, uh, four things just leapt off the page to me. Number one, he establishes. Number two, he anoints. Number three, he seals. And number four, he guarantees. And the reason why so many tonight uh, have a dream that has never become a reality is that they want to jump straight into the guarantee. Uh, In other words, God gave me the word. Therefore, God must guarantee the result. Friends, it doesn't work that way. I said earlier, prophecy is not what's about to happen. Prophecy is what God intends to happen. You see, before that guarantee, there comes a fact that he must establish that word. Then he must anoint that word. Then he seals it. And then he guarantees it. And so I want to take a look at those four points tonight. Is that cool? Because I can tell you something right now. I, I want to take the mystic kind of nonsense out of some of this where people just think, oh, well, you know, God spoke to me and that's, gonna, that's what's going to... No, 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 no. It's, it's simpler, simpler, simple. God does his part. You do yours. And so, number one, let's take a look. He establishes. The Greek word established there is the word to confirm or to make firm, or, and it's the sort of thing to, to put solidly in the place. And the Bible says that it is in the mouth of two or three witnesses that a thing is established. And I need you to know that every true God-given promise or word or commission must have Father's confirmation added to it. And that might come via a scripture, it might come via prophecy, it might come through a lot of different ways that you can get a witness to the word. But I'm telling you that the third witness needs to be your spiritual oversight. 
Very rarely I say it as bluntly as that, but I'm telling you that's what God is to put in my spirit. In order to pursue a word from God with unstoppable momentum, you have to have a certainty of conviction inside of your heart that it is God, really God, that gave you the word. And, and, and friends, listen to me. If you haven't had a, the, the teachable nestle spirit to, to give it to your spiritual oversight and get some com- confirmation on it, I can tell you what's going to happen. Because every word from God is going to get tested, really tested. And if all you've got is that word, but you've never had it established in the mouth of two or three witnesses, you've never had the confirmation of spiritual oversight concerning that word, what's going to happen the first time a really rugged wind starts blowing? What about, what about when the demons of hell begin to rage against that word? What about the unbelief of other people trying to undermine that word? What, what's going to happen then? Friends, in those moments when those storms begin to rage, you have got to know with certainty within your heart. This is not just a whim. This is not just something I dreamt up. Hey, this has already been confirmed. This has been established. This is a word from God. You see, friends, zeal, passion, energy, they're so vital. But they must be the fruit of a word having first of all been clearly heard, clearly established, and clearly confirmed. I want to take the mystery out of it tonight. Why do certain promises and words never come to pass? Why are there disillusioned people? I want to take the mystery away from that. There's no mystery to it, friends. Listen carefully tonight. Number one, he establishes his word to us, confirms it to us. Number two, he anoints. He anoints. He anoints or empowers us to fulfill that word. In other words, he adds to our human capacity and human ability that supernatural grace to accomplish the impossible. We have to understand that as Christians, God sees us not as we are, but as we should be. And you know what? Friends, listen, he loves us as we are, but he's refusing to bow down to, to, to the limitations of our humanity. When he gives you a word, you better believe it. He sees you as a supernatural people. He, he gives a word that can only be brought to pass by a supernatural people. He lives in the supernatural. And so your pursuit of a God-given word, your pursuit of a God-given dream is first spiritual and then intangible. And if you don't have a breakthrough in the realm of the Spirit, you're never going to have a breakthrough in the realm of the tangible. Paul said again and again, you don't fight flesh and blood. This is a spiritual warfare here. And any word from God that's a genuine word from God is given in the understanding that a spiritual battle will take place, a spiritual breakthrough will take place, a spiritual happening will take place, and if you are going to fulfill that dream, a lot of stuff is going to happen in the spiritual realm to come into alignment in order for you to do that which God has told you to do. Friends, you can't do that in your human ability. You can't do that with your human skill. It's impossible, I'm telling you now, it's doomed to failure. You need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You need the supernatural. You need the miraculous. Friends, you need to be the intimate friend of the Holy Spirit. You need to know what it is every day of your life to get up in a in a state, in a relationship where you anticipate the miraculous. Holy Spirit talking with Him day by day, day by day, just talking to Holy Spirit, having Him talk to you, and knowing that as you got out of your bed that day, you're not greeting that day just as a human. 
Oh, do I hate that phrase. After all, David, you're just human. Rubbish. Rubbish. I'm a hybrid. I might be human, but I'm not just human. I'm filled with a supernatural life force that is far greater than any human limitation. I can do absolutely anything my father asked me to do. I have a conviction about that and it's been tested and quite a lot of you know about the physical challenges I've had over the years. I'm telling you now, I'm not giving you hot rhetoric tonight. I'm giving you reality tonight. Every day of my life, I remind myself I can do absolutely anything on this planet that my father asked me to do. And you know why I can? It's not because of my Irish background or I'm just ordinary enough not to quit. It's not those things. Do you know what it is? It's something called the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a supernatural life force inside of me and he is far greater than any human opposition. But friends, you have to be anointed. If you're not going to be a man and woman of prayer, forget it. If you're not going to pay the price and have some discipline to spend time with God and seek God in prayer and develop relationship with Father and walk with the Holy Ghost and get into the Word of God, then, then, then why are you expecting God Almighty to do something? He is giving you the Word within the context of somebody that will be greatly anointed to achieve that task. Can we say amen? And so, then... What have we got to? I haven't a clue. But I know one thing, we're not created to fulfill the purposes of God while limited to our human capacity. We are a supernatural people. One, he establishes that word in our hearts, brings others to bear witness to it. Number two, he anoints the outworking of that word. He empowers it. Number three, he seals. The Bible says he seals. Well, I looked that one up too, and it says this. The seal is the stamp or seal of ownership. Of ownership. So that seal then declares that that person or object is under the protection of the one applying the seal, but also under the sovereign directorship or complete ownership of the one applying the seal. Are you under his ownership tonight? You know, I've got a passion about fatherhood at the moment. I'm preaching it everywhere. I'm declaring it everywhere. It just compels me all the time. The fatherhood is the most empowering thing I know. He is my father. But you know, and Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. My father, which art in heaven. But you know what? We talk about father and we claim the promises from our father. But I tell you something. Do you know what? When Jesus talked about father and when Paul and others referred to him, let me tell you something. They wrote it within a culture of 2,000 years ago in Hebrew, Palestinian, or even Roman culture as all the same. And that was that a father was revealed and honored and esteemed and obeyed instantly. And within that culture of the day when that was written, if a, if a father woke up one morning and said, ah, you know, we'll move to Syria tomorrow morning. 
There wasn't a committee meeting. There wasn't, I don't want to, I don't care. I No, that sort of thing never took place. They were already pulling the tent pegs out before he had time to catch a breath. Why? Because in that culture, Father was esteemed like that. So when we claim his fatherhood, you better understand that you're claiming not only his affection and his love and his tenderness, which you are, but you're declaring quite clearly, I'm under his ownership. Acts 2.36 Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now the Christ is the word Christos for the anointing. We've just finished establishing how much we need him to see the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that he's made Jesus not only the anointing one, but the Lord. And the word Lord there is Kyrios in the Greek, and it means supreme and undisputed in authority. And friends, I don't want to be rough, but listen to me. In Pentecost today, we are quick to accept Jesus as Savior, healer, provider, protector, uh, best friend, older brother, all sorts of things, all of them totally valid. But I tell you what is lacking in Pentecost today is a revelation of Jesus as Lord. Jesus as King. That's what's lacking in this age of entitlement and independence, the very thought of unconditionally surrendering our rights into the hands of another, man, is foreign. It's foreign. Children rebel against teachers today. Youth rebel against parents. The workforce rebels against employers. I mean, the rallying cry is, I have my rights and I'm entitled to them. So the thoughts... You know, the concept of a Jesus who just walked down a road, looked at adult human beings, and just said, leave it and follow me, and kept going, and instantly dropped everything straight in line and followed him. That kind of a Jesus has been replaced with some gooey little thing that actually exists so that we can feel good on a Sunday morning. Since when was Jesus... Our little personal bless me club available tablet that we could pop in every Sunday morning when we needed a bit of a pickup. Jesus is king. Whatever happened to the prayer, not my will but yours be done. People that have a word from God, a promise from God, and, and then they live their own independent lives and they, they, they expect God to somehow slip into their agenda once or twice a week. What is this? That's deception. That's absolute deception. I'm being your friend tonight. Listen to me, I'm being your friend. You might sound hard, but I'm being your friend. Because if you want to see dreams come into reality, if you want to see that word come to pass, if you want to see your destiny fulfilled, if you want to see something unpowerful and significant to come out of your life, then you better settle it now. Jesus is not an insertion. He's not a tag-on. He's Lord. 
That means every time you breathe. It means every decision, every thought pattern, every conversation, every time you put on the TV, every time you have a conversation with your neighbor. I'm telling you, every decision you make about finances, everything you do about your family. I'm telling you, he's supposed to be in there. He's supposed to be calling the shots. He's supposed to be telling you what to do. I want to double my bank account. Jesus, can you look after it, please? I want you to really bless it. Where did that come from? (laughs) The gospel according to marijuana. (laughs) The only plans that God is obligated to bless are those he has authored and those that he has directed, and they dwell in a fully surrendered heart of an abandoned saint. I very rarely preach like this these days, but I know what God's been saying to me all afternoon, and what he was saying to me just yesterday morning when I was alone just uh, on my own for a while, and, and I felt the Lord say, you know what it's like? It was, I felt a conversation almost, you know. Do you know what it's like for me to give promises and words and get so excited about an individual and then just see them go out there and treat it so cheaply? And they start just living their own lives. They call their own shots. They, they carve their own little niches in life. And, and they try to tag me on occasionally. Do you know how that feels? And I felt the anguish of God. And, I, and I'm not being harsh, but I'm telling you, there's some people here tonight that need to really repent of your self-will. You need to repent of your independence, of tagging God on as a bless me sticker. The reason why a lot of words have never come to pass for some people is because they've never bowed their knee. And they've never sincerely from a totally surrendered heart said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And if we are ever to see the nations of this world come to Christ, oh, and we're going to see a generation, even in this nation, that they know the miraculous interventions of God, promises possessed, destinies fulfilled, then we must see a return to the fully surrendered hearts of abandoned saints. We've got to see discipleship back. Jesus becomes king and Father's will takes preeminence. Every decision is subject to his scrutiny and his approval. Can you say amen? Amen. So one, he establishes the word in our hearts. He confirms it. Two, he anoints it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Three, he seals his ownership in our lives. Friends, only then, only then, only then, only then does he guarantee and when we get to that word guarantee, I looked that up too, and I got quite a buzz from that because the word that was used here for guarantee is, listen, part of the purchase money given as a security for the full payment that is definitely coming. Once again, we have to see that in a historical context. When it was written, do you know what a guarantee was back there? When a, when a person paid a guarantee, like a deposit, a guarantee, such was the culture of the day that the person receiving the guarantee threw a party. 
They threw a party. They had a celebration. They went nuts. They got got so excited. Why? Because it was completely unthinkable that once having got the guarantee, you weren't getting the whole thing. It was like that predictable. It wasn't even conceivable that it wouldn't happen. So everybody celebrated as soon as they got the guarantee. Friend, my Bible says, Hebrews 11, 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And we had a prayer meeting with our team the other day, and I remember saying to them, we need to celebrate. Not when we get the answers, but when God speaks and God promises. Do you live, do you live, do you live now? in the joy and the celebration and declaration and thanksgiving and gratitude of heart of already receiving what it is you're believing for. You see, anybody can celebrate. God, I'll bring it down in a little terms. God says, okay, I'm going to give you money to go to Africa to preach the word, you know. You need $5,000, and I'm going to supply it to you. Six, seven, eight weeks later, $5,000 comes in, and everybody has a party and celebrates, and, and, and it's a great, and it is. It's a miracle from God, and everybody's rejoicing, and that's good. That's good. That's good. But do you know how much greater it is to the heart of Father? Do you know how much greater impact it is in the spirit world that when Father says... I'll be giving you $5,000 for a missionary trip to Africa. Suddenly everybody, yeah, glory, going to Africa. Got five grand. It's in the bank. Glory, glory, glory. You see, what are you doing? You're celebrating because you deem Father to be trustworthy and faithful. And maybe some of you are still waiting for your word to come to pass because you have not yet celebrated it. When my father gives a word, he establishes it. He anoints it in the Holy Ghost. And he guarantees it. If you're under the seal of his ownership. And the reason why we have thousands of Christians in churches tonight bewailing the fact that their dreams have not become reality is because either they have not, one, separated themselves to hear from God, or if they have heard from God, they haven't had the humility of spirit to submit it to their oversight so that it can be firmly established. Or maybe, three, they have that, but now they're trying to bring that word to pass within their own strength and human capacity. It's doomed to failure. You need the anointing, the supernatural of the Holy Spirit, and you need to come to a place of unconditional surrender and abandonment to the absolute Lordship of Christ, Father's directive will in your life every day of your life. And you also need a revelation of Father's integrity and faithfulness. I tell you what, that alone fills your heart with unshakable confidence. I'm not trying to be, uh, please, I'm not wanting to be superficial or, or to you know, do a trip or anything like that. My wife's here. She Margaret keeps me right on the ground. But uh, Margaret will back me up. I, I, I'm, I'm excited about life. I love life. 
I can't wait to get into the next 10 years and 20 years. And you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you, you're what? You're 66? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll be gumming the devil to pieces at 96. You can guarantee that. Because I'm... And I'll tell you why I am filled with such an anticipation. Because I know the relationship I have with my Father in the secret place. And I know my reliance on the Holy Spirit every day of my life. And I know that I'm under the ownership and authority and dominion of my Father. I, don't, I would do anything my Father asked me to do. And that alone gives me confidence that I can do exactly everything that he asked me to do. Can you say amen? amen. Friends, can I wrap this up? If we want to be men and women who live a supernatural life, fulfilling a supernatural call, then we need to be passionate in our intimacy with Father's heart. We have to have a humble and teachable heart with their oversight and those that speak into our lives. We have to daily experience the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be totally abandoned in our discipleship, the ownership of God. And we must be men and women of daring and audacious faith. We've got to trust Him. We've got to trust Him. You can trust Him. Don't step out of the boat only after you put a safety net below the surface. Okay? Dare to step out of the boat simply because He said, come. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer for a moment. I believe by the nature of the word that God gave me tonight that there's a lot of dreams, a lot of words, a lot of commissions, a lot of promises that, 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 that Father has deposited inside of hearts. And somewhere along our journey, either this morning or tonight, you know, you, you kind of had an aha moment and said, you know what? Wow. Wow. That, that, that's, that, that's the key. That's the missing little bit right there, right there. Father, I, I, I want to embrace that now. I want to embrace that now. A greater intimacy, uh, a greater yearning for the Holy Spirit, a greater submission to your will and principles. Father, my God, a, a desperate uh, openness and hungriness of heart to listen to you and listen to the oversight you've given me. And Father, just to get really serious about pursuing, pursuing, pursuing what you have placed in my heart to do. Getting very intentional about it, my God, from this night on. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now. Just stand. Don't stand because others are. You stand because, okay, the Lord really spoke to you about something. And you know as clear as a bell right now. Father, it's clear to me now. It's clear to me now. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow this. I'm going to pursue this. My God, I'm going to race after it. And Father, it's, going to be, it's not just going to be a dream. It's going to be a reality. Wonderful, my Father. Wonderful. Okay, Father, we come to you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I cancel any powers of uh, discouragement or disappointment that, that might be attached to any life here tonight, Father. And we declare the power of your love and your fatherhood over every life. And Father, we thank you, Lord, right now that Holy Spirit is speaking to people. And that is a demonstration of your love. And Father, right now we seal the words that you originally gave them. And Lord, we declare right now, Father, as they pursue those words with a, a 
right heart and a passionate heart, Father, that you can and will bring them to pass. So, Father, I pray now, infuse them, infuse them. Lord, fresh faith, fresh faith. My God, right now, fresh faith to enter every heart. Lord, a a fresh uh, resolve to to enter every heart. Father, a determination to gird up their loins and run again, Father. My God, feeling the wind of your Spirit and the empowerment of your love. Father, I pray, Lord, let these dear ones just walk out of this building tonight, ready to embrace that which you called them to. In Jesus' name, Father. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.